0: expect the visits of three more ghosts i think i'd rather not expect the first tonight when the bell tolls one
1: hey cassettes and welcome to the first episode of the christmas case diaries
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-da-da>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then we got upsot. Upsot?
0: Anyway. Uh, Nobody uses that word anymore, jingle bells. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy.
0: And I'm Adam. Yay!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we have a big month planned filled with all kinds of holiday fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all have those Christmas specials that we watch every holiday season, right? I mean, is it even Christmas without the Island of Misfit Toys? Or if we don't watch the Grinch descend from Mount Crumpet to steal the holiday cheer from Whoville? It's not, right? Yeah, it's true. It's It's not the holidays Mm -hmm. then. Animated Christmas TV specials are a holiday tradition that date back almost 60 years. And while Rudolph has been airing consistently on TV for the longest amount of time, it was not the special that started at all. (gasps) know. I know. In December of 1962, people all across America turned on their TV sets to watch the first full-length animated Christmas TV special. Keeping with Christmas tradition, the special was an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, but with one notable twist. Famous cartoon character Quincy Magoo was playing the part of Ebenezer Scrooge. Ooh!
0: And immediately, <laughs> you're in a great spot. <laughs> <laughs> because that's like perfect casting. Yeah. If you cast a cartoon, you know, where a character, who's already made up playing (laughs) another made up character as if they were real, Mm -hmm. is very funny. It's very clever.
1: It's a good idea. I like it. (laughs) Boasting colorful and stylish limited animation and songs written by Broadway musicians, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol became an instant holiday classic. Although lesser known than many other 1960s animated specials, it's a delightful retelling of a familiar story, packed with great performances and animation unlike anything you'll see today. Yeah, ain't that the truth. (laughs) Nothing like this is coming out
0: now.
1: Nope. I can't think of anything that looks like this. Mm -mm.
0: Even styles that are similar. Because if you look at it, you think "Mm, Flintstones, Jetsons, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. But not even those later on looks like this. Yeah.
1: So since this is our first episode of the month, we decided to start by covering the very first animated Christmas special. So grab some Wolfel Jelly Cake, with Razzleberry Dressing, and come join us.
3: <laughs> yes!
0: And Razzleberry dressing. dressing. It doesn't even like look appetizing. <laughs> when they finally show it, no. I'm like, mm.
1: I mean, I don't know. It looks good it to looks, me, but I don't yeah. know... I mean, I found a recipe for it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use
3: raspberries.
1: It's What's... like raspberry and blueberries. No,
0: razzleberry. Um, well,
1: yeah,
3: I know <laughs> that, <laughs> but like, is, is raspberries <laughs> in it? I mean, you, I...
1: you can buy a razzleberry pie. There, oh. there is one pie company that makes razzleberry pie. Wow, but. <laughs> That's the only, yeah, that's Mm. the only razzleberry thing I've ever found. We're
3: going to have to make our Yes, and
1: I want to (laughs) make Wolfel Jelly Cakes so badly. I've thought about this a lot because I've watched this for years, and I always wanted some of that food. Mm. So do you guys, have you guys seen this before?
0: I've seen it a couple times now. I didn't watch it when I was younger. It took me a while to see it Mm -hmm. because I wasn't really that familiar with Mr. Magoo Mm -hmm. in general. But I do love old cartoons, so eventually yeah. I would come across them, right? Yeah, it's very good. You know, people think that just because it looks old, it's not going to be good, but that's just not true, man.
1: Mm-mm. It's not true. It it's just you know that's
3: a classic now.
1: Yeah, I watched this growing up. We watched it for every year for Christmas. We didn't have like a specific day that we watched it, but we Mm-mm. watched it every year. My sister Rachel is a big fan of it, and so she always wanted to watch it, and it really. The person who really loves this in my family is my dad, ah. and every time he showed it, he talked about it. Watching it on TV for the first time because in 1962, my dad was five. Oh, perfect mm-hmm. age! And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was. He saw it when it aired, mm. but he probably also saw it all the subsequent years that it showed. Oh, on yeah. TV. yeah, absolutely. And he remembers things about this, just the way it affected him. Some of the parts that were kind of scary to him. Mm. Things that, you know, watching it as an adult, now you wouldn't even consider. But, you know, yeah, for being a goofy cartoon, this was pretty serious, actually. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, there were some jokes, but the actual Christmas Carol portion is pretty serious. It's mm-hmm. pretty strict to the book. It's a very, very edited down version of the book oh, because yeah. they had to get in songs <laughs> yeah. and they had to get in
3: In, like, an hour
1: time. Yes, yes, and, uh yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a timed special, especially because Timex was the ah. sponsor. Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. Yep. So they couldn't be late. Yes. They had no excuse for it. <laughs> yeah. no, no excuse. I'm surprised
0: they didn't like. You know, Mr. Magoo looks at his watch <laughs> and he says Timex on it. Uh. Oh
1: my gosh! When he's late in the beginning of the special. Yeah. And he's like, they're like, Magoo, we've been holding the curtain for a half an hour, and he's uh-huh. like, oh, if only I had a Timex. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Then I would have been here on <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. I <laughs> would have been like the Charlie Brown Coca-Cola. Yes, the Coca-Cola
1: and Charlie Brown. That's right. <laughs> Maybe it
3: did get cut. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it did. It, the, I saw the the stills that got cut. Oh, the Timex. The
2: Timex.
3: Get, yeah. It did. Oh, nice. But it wasn't in it the wasn't episode. Like it wasn't. That. Yeah, okay. it was like
1: a billboard that said Timex.
3: Uh, okay. Oh, that's not so bad.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And now nobody ever knows what happens to. Is it Linus? Yeah. Who flies off screen?
1: Yes, he flies off screen, <laughs> and you don't, no one knows what we happens to him. Know. He crashed into a billboard that said Coca-Cola, in case anybody was wondering.
0: Uh, Go listen to our Charlie Brown episode. Yes. From two, two?
3: Two years ago. Two or three. It was two years ago, yeah. I think. Eons ago. Yeah. yeah. So First, let's start by talking about the history of United Productions of America, or UPA, and Mr. Magoo. If you remember back to our History of Animation episode... We talked a little bit about the Disney strike of 1941 and how that shaped animation in the years after.
1: We are going to do a full episode about the animation strike of 1941 because the Disney animation Mm -hmm. strike because it was such an important part of animation history.
3: (laughs) At this time, unions were an established organization for every other form of work, from cameramen to cooks, but not animators. One animator, David Hilberman, realized working for Disney that you were no longer the individual. You were part of an assembly line. Many other animators and artists realized this as well, and since job security was not guaranteed, holidays could be mandatory, and overtime could be required without added pay. Yeah. After being fired for a second time from Disney in 1941, Stephen Basusto decided it was time to make an animation studio of his own. His first studio was with animator Cy Young and named Associated Cine Artists. This studio did not last long, and soon he began the Industrial Film and Poster Service in 1943 with Zach Schwartz, who was fired from Disney in 1940, and David Hilberman, who left the company to gain the union more concessions. Stephen Basusto had been fired eight days before the strike. When one of the other fired employees asked Disney what they should do, Disney reportedly replied, I don't know, go start a hot dog stand. Yikes. (laughs) Yep. The three men founded UPA thought that animation could be used as a tool for social reform. They were unhappy with the restrictive academic style of drawing at Disney, with familiar fairy tales and an emphasis on humor. In an article titled, Animation Learns a New Language, Zach Schwartz and John Hudley, who would become a director at UPA, wrote of the Disney formula, select any two animals, grind together, and stir into a plot. Add pratfalls, head and body blows, and slide whistle effects to taste. Garnish with Brooklyn accents. Slice into 600-foot lengths and release. <laughs> oh, my. Down to a science.
1: Yeah, not very flattering, huh? No.
3: <laughs> In between Disney and UPA, Zach Schwartz worked for Columbia's Screen Gems, where he had an epiphany. Our camera isn't a motion picture camera. Our camera is closer to a printing press. Schwartz explained to his coworkers that animated films are not really films at all, but are instead graphic art. Although this revelation did little for his coworkers, it affected Schwartz greatly.
1: This is a bit, this is really important because yeah. this factors into the style of UPA and the way it would look. Because he saw it as art instead of just like a straightforward movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, Disney being focused on this hyper realistic type of animation, pumping out things like Bambi. Yeah. You know, th- yes. things that are that kind yeah. of look like what they are. The people
3: mm-hmm. look like they could be people. Yeah, but I yeah. think they
1: kind of went a little too far with it, and it was like, you guys are cutting out our creativity at this yes. point. Right, you got to let us be artists.
0: Mm-hmm. It, and it's funny you mentioned that because I know that Disney would shoot a, a video of animals in their habitats for reference for all these things, especially yeah. movies like Bambi. Right. Yeah. And there was so much footage that they were able to just cut those together and release them as animal documentaries. And he got like six Oscars doing that. Wow. And it was all just like wow. reference footage put together into a a documentary. That's insane. Yeah, it that is. That's a lot of extra footage. Wow. <laughs> the first few works produced were paid for by the United Automobile Workers. The first short that the team produced was called Hellbent for Election, in 1944. It was directed by the legendary Chuck Jones and was a video that campaigned for FDR's reelection. It depicted him and his opponent as trains racing for votes. FDR was a sleek new train, and Thomas E. Dewey was older and run down. The studio would go on to change its studio name to the much sleeker United Productions of America, or UPA, and win an Oscar for Gerald McBoing Boing in 1950. When Magoo Flew in 1954, and Magoo's Puddle Jumper in 1956.
1: A lot of people think that in Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, Gerald McBoing-Boing, the character, is playing Tiny Tim, which Uh. doesn't really work in-universe, because in the UPA universe, Gerald McBoing-Boing only speaks through sound effects. So I don't really know. Yeah. Some people think it I don't it's never really been confirmed. The character model's very close though.
3: Yeah.
0: Or, you know, they just saved some money on the design of the character. Yeah,
3: probably.
0: Today we know of UPA for its most popular character, Mr. Quincy Magoo. His first appearance was in Ragtime Bear in 1949. The lovable Magoo's nearsightedness often gets him in trouble where antics ensue, but it all ends up all right in the end.
1: Yeah, yep. pretty much. Yeah. Classic. Uh, I think the biggest criticism of Mr. Magoo is that it is all one joke. Yep. The joke is that he can't see, and that's such a 1950s, 60s offensive yeah. joke.
0: The cantankerous character came to life with Jim Backus's booming voice. Jim would later be known not only for Mr. Magoo, but also... Thurston Howell III in Gilligan's Isle.
1: Yeah, he's the, the millionaire.
0: Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> the studio's influence spread, and before long, their use of simpler lines and limited animation techniques went on to be used by Hanna-Barbera and even Disney.
1: Oh, look at that. Yeah. So they really did influence other animation.
0: It's It's interesting because... Disney didn't completely lose their style, because obviously we all know that there is a yeah. Disney style. Yep. But you can imagine, like, think of a recent Disney movie, right? Like Moana. hmm But imagine it done so meticulously, like Cinderella or something yeah. Old, yeah. Right? And how different it would be. Because the new movies are, are stylized, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. As the anti-communist movement and publications gained traction, many UPA writers and directors were forced to renounce communism or be fired to save the company. In the end, it did little to save production, and by the late 50s, the creative giant was gutted of most of its most innovative and creative minds. When Henry Saperstein acquired UPA from Columbia in 1960, Production halted on a new animation as the medium was losing traction. Saperstein instead decided to license Magoo out for commercials and TV spots.
1: I can't even believe someone bought it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I guess. When they
1: lost all their animators and he actually bought it? Like, damn.
0: Yeah. But this was not the final chapter for Magoo. In 1961, UPA hired a new director of program development that had a plan for the character a full-length animated Christmas special complete with Broadway-esque music.
1: Yeah! Oh, boy. Heck yeah!
0: In the 1980s, Saperstein looked to sell but could not find the proper amount that he was asking for. By the 1990s, he was determined to make a live-action Magoo, which would eventually star Leslie Nielsen. It was originally set to be directed by Steven Spielberg, but the option lapsed
1: so instead, they they made something that was absolutely terrible. Oh,
0: yeah. It's a really
1: bad movie. Really bad movie. I think it's (laughs) got a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Wow. So for those of you who haven't seen this lovely special, (laughs) definitely Mm -hmm. go watch it if you can. Mm -hmm. But here is the synopsis. Mr. Magoo is late for Broadway's opening night of A Christmas Carol, where he will play the lead role. As he finally makes his way to the stage, the curtain rises on the set of A Christmas Carol. From there, the audience sees a musical retelling with Magoo giving a straightforward performance as Scrooge.
1: Uh, The synopsis of this is that it is A Christmas Carol.
0: Yep. If you know the story
1: of A Christmas Carol, then you're set. You're in. That's what this is. Mm It just happens to be Mr. Magoo playing Scrooge, Just as the TV series Mr. Magoo had finished production, producer Lee Orgel entered the scene as the new director of program development. According to his wife, Leah, the two of them were out shopping when Lee got the inspiration for Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Lee and Leah. That's so cute.
3: I was just thinking that. I know. How
1: cute. Orgel rushed to the nearest phone to pass along his idea. He created a pitch for the special, along with several other pitches that he called Spectaculars. While the other specials did not come to be, Orgel believed in Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Although there were some doubts that the project could work, a cartoon character in a serious acting role is, you know, kind of a... Mm, Odd. Yeah. Orgel did everything he could to get the project off the ground. According to Orgel's wife, the made-for-TV film was his baby. This was not Orgel's first animation project, as he was already the associate producer of a Warner Brothers film called Gay Paris. Starring Judy Garland and Robert Goulet. That film also featured the work of Chuck Jones and songwriters Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg, the team behind The Wizard of Oz.
0: Wow, that's quite a quite a cast or yes. you know, a set of people there.
1: Yeah. The movie was released around the same time as Magoo's Christmas. Gay Parie is not a very famous movie. Yeah, not mm-hmm. well known. It's Mm. Obviously, it's got a, it's stacked. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's got good reviews. I mean, it's just something that people aren't really familiar with for one reason or another.
2: Hmm.
1: Although Magoo was a fairly popular character, there was concern that audiences wouldn't appreciate seeing him play a serious role. After all, Magoo was a goofball that got into wacky situations. Why would he be the lead in such a beloved and serious story like A Christmas Carol? Barbara Chain, a screenwriter that had collaborated with Lee Orgel on a cartoon called Crusader Rabbit, which I think we've talked Whoa, about Crusader we have. we? Yeah. found a solution to this problem. Instead of Mr. Magoo completely changing his personality to fit the part of Scrooge, the special takes place on Broadway and features a play within a play. That also helps with the Broadway songwriters kind of- Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, this is Broadway. Yes. That way, the audience can see Magoo and his wacky antics on his way to the theater, and then the character drops all of that the moment the play begins. I would say that an average Mr. Magoo cartoon isn't... It doesn't age very well in Mm -hmm. terms of today's audience. (laughs) Right. right?
3: Not as funny.
1: Yeah. But because this is the story of a Christmas carol. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And all of that stops the moment that the Christmas carol story begins. This is a little more timeless. This is something that more audiences today can actually identify with. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Mr. Magoo's Christmas carol is a fairly true adaptation, but with some key differences. One of the biggest and most mysterious is the change in order of the ghosts. We've never been able to find the exact reason for this switch, though we suspect it was for story purposes.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the one special, or I guess the one version of this story Yeah, that made such a change like that. It's
1: a weird change. Yeah. You yeah. notice it right away. Obviously, Scrooge goes to bed, and then the Ghost of Christmas Present appears instead of the Ghost of Christmas Past. There are a couple reasons why they might have done this. I think one is that for story progression, because the Ghost of Christmas Present comes first, Mr. Magoo sees Tiny Tim Mm -hmm. and in other versions of the story Mr. Magoo we knew more about Bob Cratchit like we had more hints of Tiny Tim like we might have actually seen you know. And so this is they what they wanted to do I think was introduce Tiny Tim early and then show then do the ghost of Christmas past and show Scrooge as a little boy. Mm-hmm. and then show how Scrooge relates to Tiny Tim. So the ghost is kind of reminding right. him, like, here's a little boy. Now, remember this? Here's how you relate to that little boy. Yeah. And then have the ghost of Christmas future, and then the little boy's gone. Yeah. I think it also breaks up the fact that it's such a short-form version of the story. Right. If they did it in order, and Scrooge was with the ghost of Christmas present, yeah. and they saw the Cratchits, and then right after ghost of Christmas future we would meet Tiny Tim, Tiny Tim's dead. It would, there wouldn't be yeah. any right. time right. for the audience to like process that. And so I think in a longer version of the, of the story, yeah. it makes sense, that order makes sense, yeah. but in a very short version, it would be kind it's, of jarring. Yeah. I also think it's the songs, I think the songs are part of the reason why they changed it, because Winter Was Warm is for The Ghost of Christmas Past, and there's two songs for Ghosts of Christmas Past. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both kind of sad songs. And I think they didn't want to do two really sad songs in the beginning. And also Winter is Warm is a very anchor song. Yeah, And having it early and Would then. not. Yeah. I feel like the balance of the songs wouldn't have worked. Yes. Yeah. Who
0: knows? That makes a lot of sense, though.
1: Abe Levitao was the man tasked with directing Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. According to the artists that worked on the special, Abe gave them a lot of creative freedom with their sequences, and he had a tight grip on the production, which allowed it to run smoothly. Although several animators worked on the project, they hardly ever communicated with each other except through Abe. It really spoke to his ability as a leader and communicator that the final product turned out to be so seamless. Levitao also directed Gay Parry in The Phantom Tollbooth.
0: That's interesting. That's normally yeah. a... A recipe for disaster.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But nope. It wow. worked out really well. One of the layout artists said that he didn't even really talk to the other layout artists. They, he would do a layout, and then he'd walk up to another artist, and he'd be like, oh, you're doing the next sequence? Mm-hmm. Here's what my sequence looks like. And then they would make sure they matched. And that was it. Wow. It. Nice. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of freedom, a lot of
3: do your own thing.
0: Still consistent, though, which is good. Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. UPA was known for a specific type of style, and Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol was no exception. The team of artists and animators truly understood how to match the specific look of a UPA film. Animator Lee Mishkin designed the characters, though some of them did go through several changes. For example, artist Tony Rivera drew a different design for the character Belle, but it was apparently changed late in production. Author Daryl Van Sitters wrote about this in his blog dedicated to the special. He also published a book that we will link to so you can see that and yeah. find it and maybe. You to buy his book, sure. This was a big change, as the scenes that included Bell had already been inked and colored, and it would have been expensive to make that change so late in production.
2: Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a
3: bold
1: move. Fully done. Sequences. It was Mr. Mr. Fezziwig and Winter Was Warm. This guy, Daryl Van Sitters, was talking about this and he said that a friend of his dug through dumpsters in the nineteen sixties behind wow. animation studios. Yeah. And got a lot of things, a lot of cells and yeah. storyboards and all kinds of stuff. From the dumpsters, things that yeah. they were at, and that's how they know about this because they found.
3: Oh, wow! They found that's the cells amazing. of her.
1: Yeah. I ah, know. <laughs> yeah.
3: What? Also, then they just have those cells. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool, that's huh? So cool. Wow, that yeah. is awesome. Gloria Wood and Bob Inman were two key background artists that really brought a unique look to the special. Would design the background for the graveyard sequence, which takes place when Scrooge is with the ghost of Christmas yet to come.
1: It's so cool and weird, <laughs> you know. It's a you know they have a lot yeah. of just really kind of expressionist type of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Just colors and shapes, and then ominous and odd, and they use really weird color choices. Sometimes oh. it'll just be like a blue backdrop, and then for some reason a hot red building. It's like you know, it just looks yeah. like it's on fire. Yeah, you know, they it, just
3: got to explore. Yeah, to just create really weird
1: types of backgrounds.
0: And think about how weird it must be watching the play, you know, and you see those backgrounds because <laughs> yeah. these are on stage, right? Yeah, so they had to make these sets, you know, in universe, right? Yes. And it's these very contrasting colors and weird shapes yeah. and stuff and that, that that must have been real fun to, to make.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Shirley Sylvie was a female animation designer in a male-dominated profession. In the scenes with Marley's ghost, she animated the characters from unusual angles, which drives home the unsettling nature of the moment.
1: The part with Marley's ghost Watching this as a kid and, and all, the other, <laughs> all the other versions of A Christmas Carol that I watched every year as a child, this was the scariest part of the story mm-hmm. which when Marley shows up, mostly because he's the scariest ghost. Yeah, yeah, except for maybe in some versions that goes to Christmas present, but yeah, or goes. I mean, the future yeah. is just a hooded figure, which is, but like,
3: which is funny because he's just trying to warn his yeah. friend. It's he's not being yeah. malicious or I, evil, I right? Think,
1: yeah, I think Marley's section is just inherently scarier because we don't know what's coming, right? Yeah, the idea is that we True. don't know. Scrooge doesn't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what it's all of that. That's yeah, kind of what confusion it is. And, yeah. And
3: I mm-hmm. guess so the first time seeing a ghost in the story, really. Yeah.
0: That, and I think because Marley's a character who's like already lost. Yeah. Right? He's already been damned. Yeah. He's like this ghost who's That's true. F- clawing his way from essentially hell mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Warn Scrooge about this, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. the other three ghosts that visit, I assume, are like, quote- unquote, like guardian ghosts, right? They're the chosen yeah. ghost of the past.: They're present, not Yeah, and future. they're
1: not humans that are right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. For this one, it's the sound of the chains mm-hmm. as he's going up the stairs. Chains are scary. they sound scary. And also, this scene has the scene from the book where he opens the window. And the ghosts outside are other damned souls Ah, that are flying around. Yes. And that's actually in this, which a lot of versions, especially child versions, Mm -hmm. do not have that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's one of the scarier parts of the story.
0: (laughs) Not to know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life opportunity misused. Yet such was I. Look. This is the fate that awaits you.
3: They do say that UPA did tend to lean more adult. They were not afraid to add more adult content. Many of the animators that worked on the production were freelance, as UPA probably couldn't afford a large number of animators on staff. It's impressive that the animation is as consistent as it is, as the freelancers had to grasp the style before working on the project, there were a couple of sequences, like the Cratchit family sequence, that needed to be redone. Oh my.
1: Okay, Adam, so you do animation stuff, right? Uh, you have- I <laughs> mean,
0: I have in the all past. Right,
1: you know, they call you in and they say, all right, here's what, here's what our sequences look like. <laughs> Based on these character designs, we need you to draw a sequence where this character is dancing with this character. <laughs> it's nighttime. You know, look at the storyboard. Have fun. And they just leave the room.
0: Um, I, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> oh,
1: boy. What? Should, just, you know, have a good time with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I gotta go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I mean Yeah, like,
0: seriously. It's
1: just I imagine it's just really hard to do mm-hmm. that, you know?
0: <laughs> Honestly, I find that to be the most impressive thing about animation in general. Yeah. At least 2D, like hand drawn stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you think about how many people there are working on one movie or one special and how they had to do that. They had to make it look the same. Yeah. And yeah. In most cases, I assume, it's not their style, right? <laughs> no. Because everyone who does art has a style. Like, if I had a style, maybe I could animate yes. my stuff decently, even though I still have a hard time consistently drawing the same character <laughs> in a different pose and have them look like the same character. <laughs> but imagine doing that in somebody else's style.
3: Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Okay,
1: we're going to take a quick break to listen to the trailer for our other show, BCD Presents No Small Parts, which you can find on any podcast player. When we think about our favorite movies, what characters come to mind? Usually it's the charismatic lead, or the quirky best friend, or the maniacal villain.
3: But what about the characters that pass through the story in relative obscurity? Sometimes they don't have names— And they may not even have dialogue. But even if these characters go largely unnoticed, their parts might have altered the course of the film.
0: Through this show, we're uncovering the stories of these background heroes by assigning them identities. These are original stories about non-original characters, profiles on people you don't remember from the movies you'll never forget.
1: And in the end, we'll seek to prove that screen time and number of lines are inconsequential. In all our favorite films, there are no small parts.
0: Almost 60 years after its release, the lasting power of Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is largely due to its incredible music. Lee Orgel reportedly wanted Richard Rodgers to compose the songs, sending him a copy of the novel and asking him to consider it.
1: Rodgers of Rodgers and Hemmerstein. Yay! Yay.
0: Rodgers was unavailable and contacted legendary songwriter Frank Lesser. You might remember him from our Christmas Songs episode from last year. He wrote Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah, yeah he did. Um Lesser was also unavailable. <laughs> so he contacted Julie Stein. Stein was a formal vocal coach and prolific composer responsible for classic songs that appeared in musicals like Peter Pan and Gypsy.
1: All right. So wow. you guys remember the Mary Martin Peter My Pan? Gosh. Yes, yes I do. absolutely. And Gypsy. And Gypsy. which Gypsy. Which he wrote with Stephen Sondheim, who hey, just hey. passed away oh. uh, just a few days ago.
0: Stein was in between projects as he was about to start working on the Tony winning musical Funny Girl with lyricist Bob Merrill. So Stein and Merrill signed on to write the songs for Magoo's Christmas. Merrill was a prominent lyricist and penned a lot of popular songs like How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? How much,
1: much is that doggy in the Window? window? Roof,
0: roof. Did he write the roughs in there?
1: He did. We have to talk about how special this is yeah these two guys while writing the songs and lyrics for this special were also writing funny girl simultaneously oh my
3: (laughs) gosh which funny girl i feel like is much more well known
1: huge funny girl's huge
3: yes
1: (laughs) it's such a big deal that these guys are writing the songs for this took the time
0: composer walter scharf crafted a score that seamlessly blended the songs while adding some musical magic of his own. Scharf was a prolific TV composer, scoring episodes of TV shows like Hawaii Five-0 and Mission Impossible.
1: So let's talk about the songs. (laughs) Since this is technically a musical, we have to talk about each song. Yes.
2: As we do.
0: Yeah.
1: So the first song, Great to be Back on Broadway. Mm. The special opens with a musical number, Great to be Back, Back, Back on Broadway. Showcasing the lights, billboards, and traffic of New York City, uh, you guys have to sing the songs you talk about as well. Just in case oh you're...
0: no, I'm not <laughs> ready for that.
1: The challenge for animators in this scene was depicting such a complicated setting using the classic simplified style of UPA. It still has to look pretty like modern and yeah. simple, but it's New York City. I think they did a
0: great <laughs> job because the way to capture that feeling of New York is just like tall.
2: Mm-hmm. Shapes, kind yeah. of overlapping,
0: bright yep. colors, lights. flashing lights, lots mm-hmm. of noise, and just overwhelmingness. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's a word, but you just feel overwhelmed. <laughs> and the by music
1: it. has a lot of horns in yes. it, and mm-hmm. it feels like the car horns, the cars,
3: like yeah, brr, brr, brr,
1: brr, brr, that, you know, that's how you capture
0: <laughs> New York in in a simplified way. I, yeah, they, they nailed yes.
1: it. Bob Singer was one of the layout artists responsible for the scene. He said that UPA was like an animator's paradise. Even though there was a team of layout artists, the final product looked seamless because they were all able to match the style. This is the only song sung by Mr. Magoo as Mr. Magoo. The rest of the music is the play within the play, which explains why this song has a different overall sound. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like very
1: jazzy. Yeah, beat.
0: this is this is yeah.
3: this is Broadway, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, and it's the one that kind of. Separates itself, right? Yeah. yeah, because the rest of it is a Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. which we've seen before. Other times, there it you know it's d- been done as a musical before too. Mm-hmm. But this one is that one standout song that is the most different.
1: You know, it's very modern to 1962, right. so it's like this yeah. is the song from 1962, yeah. <laughs> and the other songs sound much older. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we said before, actor Jim Backus provided the speaking and singing voice of Magoo.
0: The next song is Ringle Ringle. After Magoo gets pushed onto the stage and the play begins, the story wastes no time getting started. As Scrooge, Magoo begins to count his money and breaks into a song called Ringle Ringle. In order to create an accurate setting, layout artists and color stylists, also known as background artists, spent a lot of time researching the furniture styles of the 1840s. They also use the type of splatter technique to make the room look dingy.
1: And we talked about this because we were watching the scene, and you can see, like, you know, coloring outside the lines, kind yes. of weird, you know,
3: cardboard esque type shapes and things like that. Because yeah. the chair was very cardboard cutout, but mm-hmm. then almost like the a sharpie drawing yeah of just the flourishes on the chair yeah Mm -hmm. and it's
1: it's like you know that's the set furniture you know it's not real furniture but also i think it was to make the room look messy yes
0: this song is the first appearance of tony nominated actor jack cassidy as bob cratchit he would win a tony in 1964 scrooge and cratchit sing a duet with Scrooge continuing to count his money as Cratchit shivers in the other room.
1: Yeah. Kind
0: of two songs at once. Yes,
1: and I love that sound. Mm-hmm. And it is it's very Broadway. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy ringle ring. He's like cold. I'm
3: so cold, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Begging for him to uh, like put a log on the fire. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous.
3: The next song we have is Lord's bright blessing. So the, the, like, it's really happy, (laughs) but really sad. (laughs) Yeah. When the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to see the humble home of Bob Cratchit, the two witness the family sit down to a meager Christmas feast. The family doesn't have very much, but are still very happy. They break into a song called Lord's Bright Blessing that perfectly captures the spirit of the holidays as they dream of a better Christmas but happily accept the one they have now.
1: Yeah, mm. it's a very sweet song. Mm-hmm.
0: Even though it seems for a minute like it takes the kids a, a bit of convincing.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. to just yeah, like, you it know, was definitely harder for the kids. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to kind of accept the parents.
0: <laughs> the parents, especially Bob Cratchit, was being yeah. very like, yeah, it's it's still Christmas, you know, everything's yeah. fine. And and Tiny Tim kind of bought that, you know, because he's the the sweetest most <laughs> up upbeat kid, but the other the other children were just a little bit like, mm, all right.
1: They're like, we're really we've been really good. We don't deserve a life like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> the Cratchit house is designed to look run down with broken furniture. However, it looks much cleaner than Scrooge's office, showing the pride that the family has in their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No splatters here.
0: Nope. Yes. And you know what's one I've noticed? One really simple way to make a room feel like that without making it look dingy mm-hmm. is to leave the walls empty. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, because
0: if you go to most homes or places where people spend most of their time, yeah, there are usually things on the walls—yeah, picture frames, posters, mm-hmm. whatever. But but when you see a blank wall in a house, yeah, it's a little bit. It, it feels a little empty, and it, you can easily tell that obviously the Cratchits don't have a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy way to depict that without holes the in the wall or without yeah. cracks in this roof. You know, they don't have to go that far. No. Just simple little things. You know. Yeah.
3: This song features Jack Cassidy as Bob Cratchit, Laura Ulster as Mrs. Cratchit and the Cratchit son, and Marie Matthews as the Cratchit daughter. Ulsher was meant to only play Mrs. Cratchit, but the actor for the other roles was late to recording. Oh, no. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ulsher had almost no experience with music, so Julie Stein helped her through the recording.
1: Yeah. She said that she'd never read music before, <laughs> and so he came over, and he, he's been a vocal coach, so he, she said he was very kind and very patient with her, and he just showed her the music, and he sang the melody with her for a bit. And when she had the melody down, he was having her hum it. And he was like, that's great. So that's the melody. Okay. So now just open your mouth and go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so just, just hum. You, got the, you can hum it. All right. Now just move your mouth with the humming. And, and, and you, there you singing. go. Yeah. You yeah.
3: Got I mean. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, when you have a good teacher. Yeah. A good coach. Laura Olsher also voiced the boy at the end that gets the turkey for the Cratchits. The boy says, Walker, which was Victorian slang for humbug.
1: Yeah. Uh, no. Scrooge tells oh. him to get a turkey, and the boy says, Walker. Ah. And people don't know. Like I yes. know watch what that what like, What is he yeah. saying? What is that? What does that mean? Yeah. Why is he telling to, her to walk? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
3: Well, it's hanging there now. It is?
0: Well, go and buy it. Walker. Okay. No, 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 stay. I am in earnest. You go and buy it and, and, and tell him to bring it here.
3: Ulsher's daughter had just visited the UK and told her mom about the word and it made it into this special. I'm
0: going to bring it back. What, yeah,
3: bring it back. Wouldn't it be funny, though, <laughs> if the daughter like was told that that was what that word meant, and, and it wasn't actually, and she put it in Oh, there. I know. What if it meant something really <laughs> bad? Know, it was like a something. swear. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the next song is called Alone in the World. When the ghost of Christmas past takes Scrooge back to his childhood, they see Scrooge as a boy. Together, Scrooge and his younger self sing a song about how lonely they are. It's this really oh. sad, sweet song, though. Yeah. And I remember just singing it as a kid. You know, it's, it's a very simple song kids can mm-hmm. pick up pretty easily. You know, where is two shoes to click to my clack? Yeah. You know, where is a voice to answer mine back? Oh. Yeah. It's so sad. <sighs> Alone in the World was meant to be sung by a little boy, but none of the boys that auditioned seemed to have the sound they were looking for. Marie Matthews was in the room because her son had auditioned. And Matthews' mother convinced the team to let Marie try singing the part. Her mother was the agent for the boys that had sung. Oh. And one of the boys that auditioned was Marie's son as well. So her, she's there, her mom's there, her son's there. And her mom says, yo, just have my daughter try it. The songwriters resisted, saying that they really wanted a boy to sing the part. But they let her audition anyway. Matthews happened to have the voice they were looking for and was hired for the role. She said she was very honored to sing such a beautiful song.
0: Women play young boys in animation uh, yep. constantly, and they yes. do a
1: lot in this special. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of yes. weird that they were like, for this song, for we this, we want a boy, we need a boy.
0: Being strict about it, yeah. Now, like, all of us, sudden. Maybe
3: no. maybe this is why it opened up
1: for all the others. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe the next song was "Winter Was Warm." This is also known as the bathroom song. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> When the Ghost of Christmas Past takes Scrooge to relive his days with his love, Belle, she sings a song about their lost love. Was it so long ago, that sleigh ride, the warm glow of happiness when you asked me? It was snowing, but we didn't notice. Winter Was Warm is one of the most loved songs from the special, serving as an emotional climax as Scrooge sees all that he's lost because of his greed. The other songs, you know, Lord's Bright Blessing and Alone mm-hmm. in the World, they were kind of had an upbeat sound to them, and they were kind of easing you in yeah. to this song. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is the song where, you know, Belle is singing and they're I mean, the lyrics are just it's, ah yeah. heartbreaking.
0: More so here than in other versions, they really hammer that part home. Yeah, like how yeah. bad he feels about losing yeah. Bell because yeah. That's, you know, it's a part of all of the versions of Christmas Carol. But in here, it's like, I don't know, he just feels the worst about yeah. it.
1: Jane Keane played Belle, and although she was known as a comedic actress, Julie Stein knew she would be able to handle the song because they had already been working together on another project. Keane later said that the song should have been a big hit if it had been sung by someone much more famous.
0: Oh, don't oh, be so hard no. on yourself.
1: I agree, though, that the song should have been a hit. Yeah. I think she was the perfect person to sing it, but, yes. I, but I think that the song should have been a hit. Yeah. There's a long-standing rumor that the song People and the musical Funny Girl was originally written for Magoo's Christmas. Keen cleared that up, saying that they were writing the song simultaneously, and she wanted to sing it, but Julie Stein told her no. They had another song for her instead.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, so okay. there's a yeah, there's song called People and Funny Girl, and for years people thought they wrote that for Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and then it got told, they told, were told no by producers, and then they mm. just didn't do it. Jane Keen says that she walked in to rehearse the song, and mm. they were actually playing people on the piano. They were working mm. on it, and she was, oh, my, is that for me to sing? And they said, mm-hmm. no, it's not. We have another <laughs> song for you right here. And she said, but I want that song. And she, they were like, no, this is the song no. we wrote. <laughs> Too we're bad. we this song for somebody else. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep.
3: Too bad.
1: Yep, so sorry. Sad. Barbara Streisand's going to sing this song.
0: Oh. <laughs> and finally, the last song is We're Despicable.
1: We're de- Despicable.
0: De-spicable. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love this song. It's so beautiful. It's so funny. <laughs> this song's hilarious. It's it very
0: is. funny. The final song of Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, if you don't count the reprises, is sung by a group of criminals as they pawn stolen items from Scrooge's home. We're Despicable is many viewers' favorite part. The song is bouncy and fun with silly rhymes and gags.
1: Yeah, I yes. saw one review where somebody said that this song is stupid and that you should skip it. Ugh. And that's not true. This song is hilarious.
3: Yes. It's
1: it's a joke. The whole thing's a joke <laughs> and it's so fun. To watch, just so the visual gags that yes. they have in this.
3: And the rhyming and yes. it is hilarious. The,
1: yeah, the rhyming doesn't make sense. Nope, and... the words <laughs> are yes. not right. Your ticky talk. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: I mean, especially since the previous song was so um, yes, yeah. fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to have something upbeat and silly.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, this is a cartoon special. And yeah. yeah. And Mr. Magoo... As a character, as we talked, is meant to be comedic. Yes. You know, Sure, he's playing a serious role, but it's still a cartoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be some comedic elements in this. Mm -hmm.
0: This scene was animated by Gerard Baldwin, who had been given the song and the situation and built the storyboard from there. Baldwin said it took about two weeks to animate the entire sequence from start to finish after the storyboard had been completed.
1: He did the whole thing.
0: That's amazing.
1: Start to finish. Wow. He came home from vacation. They handed him a They handed him a sequence to make, and he did it. Oh
2: my Two
0: weeks is gosh. not that much time.: Yeah, he's a pro. <laughs> this is the only sequence in the entire special where Scrooge has four fingers and a thumb. This was because Baldwin liked to draw hands. This might seem like a continuity error, but it speaks to the charm of the special. And the fact that many different people worked on the animation.
1: Yeah, it's like every scene, every section has a little stamp showing Mm -hmm. the different people that worked on it Mm -hmm. and the different things that they did, you know, because there wasn't a lot of room for deviation, but they were still also given a lot of freedom in terms
3: that they could make little changes like that. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the major starring roles within within this little film. But now we have a few other, some also starring. Yeah. And we started off first with Royal Dano as Marley's ghost. Marley's ghost is introduced with the sounds of dragging chains. Earl Bennett provided the sound effects for the whole special, actually.
1: Yeah. That's kind of cool. Nice, yeah. This chains really stick in my brain because I think my dad told me that was what scared him mm. when he was ah, a kid being oh. dragged up the steps because the less the way it sounds yeah. you know as mm-hmm. as Marley's trying to enter Scrooge's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That would be terrifying. Yes.
3: <laughs> Royal Dano was a screen actor that appeared as Tom Fury in Something Wicked This Way Comes, Yay! which we talked about not that Whoa. long ago. Yeah, he was yeah. also
1: the voice of Lincoln on the Disney Parks Lincoln ride. There was, like, s- yeah, some history of Lincoln ride.
3: Next, we have Paul Fries as the stage director. Friese was a prominent voice actor, well known for roles he played in other Christmas specials, especially for rankin and bass which oh, we've yeah. also talked about
1: paul Fries was
3: everywhere yes in these specials he played lots and lots of different people i mean when you when you're good at it yes <laughs> next up is joan gardner as tiny tim the ghost of christmas past and bell's speaking voice i am the ghost of christmas past
0: it long past
3: no your past Joan Gardner was a voice actor, although she is hardly known today. She was also a screenwriter and a composer. Yeah. Wow, well, she did it all. John Hart as Billings. Hart appeared on TV shows like Rawhide and Dallas. This guy was like really handsome. Yeah. <laughs> Cause when I when I put him when I was
1: looked him up, I mm-hmm. saw his picture and the first thing the bio said, like his movie star looks. Oh. And I looked at the picture, and he looks like George Clooney. Oh,
3: yeah, oh was dang. Next, we have Maury Amsterdam as Brady. Amsterdam was a comedic actor that appeared on the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty famous name. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have Les Tremaine as Ghost of Christmas Present. Wait,
0: wait. I
1: am the Ghost of Christmas Present. Look upon me. You have
0: never seen the like of me before. Well, I'm not sure I see the like of you now. <laughs> oh, But but I hear you. I, I hear you. <laughs> so
2: I've heard. <laughs> You're the one who's too tight with a penny to buy himself a pair of spectacles.
3: Tremaine worked in radio and had one of the most heard voices in the wartime era. Yeah. All
2: right. Mm-hmm. That's he has, cool.
3: He's got that
1: booming voice. You know, ah, he was a stage actor too. But he had one of those golden voices mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. era of radio when everybody was just listening to audio dramas because audio dramas are so cool. Yeah.
0: Next, let's talk a little bit about the reception and legacy of this wonderful Christmas special, shall we?
3: Sure. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol premiered in December of 1962. According to Leah Orgel, she and Lee rented a color TV and had all their friends over to watch the premiere. In the special edition commentary of the movie, Leah says that Walt Disney called Lee that night and congratulated him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He told him that it would be watched for generations.
1: Nice. Aww. How cool is that? Getting a call from the competitor. Exactly. The competition. Yes. That would... (laughs) That would
3: later use the same
1: kind of style. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. He he called him. He said, "I just wanted to congratulate you. You created something that's going to live for a really long time." Yeah, mm. like wow. Oh, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. nice. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. All right, nice. I almost take back all the things I said about Disney. Yeah. <laughs> he almost.
0: says he, he says that on the phone. He's like, <laughs> mm, "I almost take back all the bad things I've said about you." And then, as he's hanging up, you hear Walt on the phone. <laughs> what are you talking to? <laughs> 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 Bad uh. <laughs> for several years after, the special aired on NBC. Sometimes certain songs would be cut for time. Usually winter was warm. Yep. Who could have uh,
3: guessed that?
1: Yeah, it's always bell song. It's yeah. always bell song.
0: Throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s, families across the U.S. were treated to this special until it stopped airing. In 2012, on the 50th anniversary, NBC aired the special once again and it has aired on TV sporadically over the past couple of Christmases. While it is unlikely that you will catch this this special on TV, it is now streaming for free on Peacock with ads.
1: Yeah. Not a sponsor. Mm -hmm. But if you want to watch this, that is how to watch it. Yeah. Because that or get it from your local library Mm -hmm. because do not... Do not, my friends, watch this on TV. I don't care if NBC premieres or or, if NBC shows this on TV. Do not watch it on TV because they will cut it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah, there were plenty
3: of library copies for us actually. Yeah, when
1: we looked it up, nobody had this out. So everybody, rush to your local library (laughs) and go check out Mister Magoo's Christmas Carol.
0: Yes, do it. At the time of airing, the special was popular enough that Mr. Magoo got a brand new TV series, The Famous Adventures of Mr. Magoo, and would appear in more animated specials with literary characters. Despite getting less exposure than some other more well-known Christmas specials, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol has no shortage of fans. You can find a recipe for razzleberry dressing online.
1: Yep, you can. (laughs)
0: Along with many testimonials about why this particular version of Christmas Carol is an absolute classic
1: yeah this there's a pretty strong fan base for this yeah. a lot of people that watched it growing up in the '60s and '70s they really love mm-hmm. it and they want to share it with their kids and you know, we've been watching it every year since I was a kid, and I know that at some point it aired on TV in the '80s because my parents taped it off TV mm-hmm. so
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you go all the way back, so far back in our podcast feed, that you go back to <laughs> yeah. episode number one, number one, yeah. we talk about all the versions of Christmas Carol, and one of the first ones to come up is this one.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. As
0: soon as we started doing the very like little shavings of research that we did back then, <laughs> yeah. barely even, you know, just Google yeah. a thing or two. Yep. It was one of the first ones to come up, so there's no doubt in my mind that despite it not being as well-known as other Christmas specials, there are plenty of people who love it Yeah, and watch it all the time.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so different than mm-hmm. the other yeah. specials. Yeah. You know, the look is different. The feel is different, and I love it. It reminds me of my dad because he just... He loves it, and so we watch it with him. Yeah. And, you know, and it's fun to watch things from my parents' childhood and, and think of them watching it as a kid.
2: Because mm-hmm. it's
1: just, you know, it's such a different perspective. You yeah. know, <laughs> when you're a child and your parent says, Oh, well, before you were born, and you go, Excuse me? <gasps> Huh? <laughs> did you have a life before me?
0: Yeah, seriously, <laughs> uh, you
1: did. What? Did, what? What? You know? What? Yeah, you don't even
0: impossible.
2: You know
1: that you they had to, but like thinking about it is a whole other thing. Oh uh, right. yeah. Oh man. So I love it. I love the stories of just him being a kid and watching it and then yeah. sharing it with us. You know, I could see kids today watching this and maybe not connecting with it very much, mm-hmm. but you know maybe if you show it to your kid and you're really excited about it maybe your child will be like I'll pretend for mom I'll pretend for dad I'll pretend that it's good and then as they get older they'll be like wow I actually do appreciate this this yeah. is really cool maybe that'll happen maybe yeah cuz I, I i've heard that some kids might not like this because it is a little serious and mm-hmm. sometimes you know parts of it are a little weird but yeah weird is good exactly There's no doubt that Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol had a lasting impact on TV history. It was the first entry in a decades-long tradition of animated Christmas specials. If you love Rudolph and Frosty, but you're unfamiliar with this animated gem, go ahead and give it a watch. It's a unique and entertaining look at an old classic, and calls back to a time in animation that is often forgotten. Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is a time-honored tradition. It's a wonderful look back at the 1960s a time capsule that brings the viewer to a different age of animation. And in our house, like so many others, it's not Christmas until this short, bald man sings.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Yes. Lovely. Okay, well, uh, I guess it's another case closed. <laughs> yay, 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 Wonderful. Yay. Yes. Yay.
0: Merry uh, Merry Christmas month. Yes. Yeah. Merry December. Exce- yeah. Merry <laughs> Yes. Merry December.
1: <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, Carlos, and Jaron.
0: Ah uh, Love you guys. Thank you so thank much, God. everybody. Can you believe it?
1: What a wonderful yes. We love reading your names. Yeah. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. diary. And thank you to all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. And also, don't forget, please, our other show, Black- BCD Presents, no small parts. Audio drama, much shorter than this show. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
3: About it's, like 15 to 17 yeah, minutes, usually.
1: Sh- short stories about minor film characters that had a major impact on their movies, and each episode is narrated by one of us.
0: Yes. Yeah. So
1: go and check that out.
0: yes. And remember, it is on its own feed. Yes. Yes. There were a It's couple by itself. There were a couple of episodes on this feed that you may have seen, but if you want more of that goodness, you <laughs> yeah, got to go elsewhere. Please. You got to go find it. Type it in. BCD presents No Small Parts. Yes. Yeah.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: See ya. A
2: very merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us.
3: God bless, bless us. us. God bless us, everyone.